I remember just going, oh my God, like what have I just done? I've just signed this in the middle of this period here with lockdown. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I remember going and speaking to dad and again, he just said, you, you know, you got to play the long game. You've got to think about the fact that this is a moment in time and it will get better. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There are many different types of food service operations, catering to very different markets and with their own unique offerings. Often, an establishment will thrive when it's housed amongst a row of different operators because it creates a hub and an energy that draws in a crowd. With the pandemic shutting down some or forcing others to take away, what impact has that had on the hospitality operators that feed off the energy and custom of their neighbours. Sandra Foti is the owner of Piccolina Gelateria in Victoria. Sandra, how are you going? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. It's been a, a bit of a wild ride um, this last couple of months. What's it been like in the gelato game? Uh, it has been a really wild ride. Um, gelato. I think we we were already um, essentially a takeaway business. So um, from that perspective, things haven't changed too much. I mean, obviously people can't come in and sit down and eat gelato in the store anymore. So things like that have changed. Um, but people wanting to go out and, and have a little moment of joy, um, that they find in a gelato, that hasn't changed. And I think, in fact, it's kind of increased. We've had so many messages from customers saying, please don't shut down, please don't open, is Piccolina going to be okay? And they just kind of want to come and have a moment in time where they can just escape and have a chat and have an ice cream and just be happy. And and so that's... Um, that's what's been happening in our world, people kind of coming to us for that moment in time. Well, I think what's interesting is that gelato is actually eaten a lot at night time and often we think of ice cream or iterations of as a daytime when it's hot, something that you would eat. But often um, people are going out to dinner and perhaps um, not getting dessert in the restaurant and um, heading to a place like yours to, to fill up. What's it been like this period with restaurants that are normally around your businesses um, no longer there because of the shutdown? Um, yeah, when when we went into the first lockdown, it was like um, at the beginning, the first day, oh, the day before everything was fine and then the next day it just was not okay and it was like a tap was just turned off overnight and it was pretty scary and I had a lot of sleepless nights, um, but I think pretty quickly afterwards, people started to just order loads and loads of takeaway and um, that sort of side of things just took off. So, you know, where we'd sell cones and cups and people would just come in, you know, just to grab something, like you said, after dinner, they were just buying tubs of ice cream and we just couldn't keep up with with the takeaway, it was insane. So that definitely changed. 
Um, but people consuming gelato didn't change. What's been some of the challenges during this time for you? Um, there's been, you know, a second lockdown has happened, but, you know, there has been, you know, you were a takeaway model already to start with and you had that advantage in some aspects, but it's been quite a challenging period for you nonetheless. Um, yeah, it's been really challenging um, personally. I just, I found that, um, that I just had to somehow control that fear inside me that um, that would take over if I wasn't careful, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I think when something like this happens, you just have to be positive for everybody around you for all of your staff and um and and for your customers and and so I was just constantly positive and being switched on for everybody else um and I just had to sort of work out a way of turning that fear um turning that fear on its head a little bit and um and I think also at the time I uh, my my father was was really terminally ill, and um, I would sit and have conversations with him just through my life about business. And um, he was an incredible entrepreneur, and so I would go and sit with him and just say, "Oh, Dad, you know this is going on. You know what what do you think?" and what do you think of, of this change that I'm making and what do you think we should do in the business? And and I talked to him about my fears and it's like, oh, Jay, I'm just, it's this is scary or, what you know, how do I navigate this situation? And he said to me, one of the, one of the well, he's since passed away and which was really hard in itself, but um, one of the things that I remember him saying to me is, Sandra, when everybody else is scared, that's when you need to be really, really brave. And I've repeated that to myself so many times since um, since he passed away. Um, when we've faced challenges or when we've thought about new projects that we wanted to take on and, and you have that moment where you just kind of go, Oh God, should I do it? Shouldn't I? Um, and I've always gone back to that those conversations that I I've had with him over the years, um, where I think he was an incredible person at, at kind of um, changing or, or controlling his mindset, if that makes sense. So really, just looking at the positives and just. I think that's what kept him going for so so many years. Um, you know, he battled battled his illness for many many years, but he he just he worked right up until the last, you know, two weeks before he passed away. He he was a phenomenal phenomenal person and a really big influence in my life. And I guess I've drawn lots of strength from him and from what he taught me um, over the years from from little. Uh, and, and I've, I've applied a lot of that um, during this time. That strength that you gained from him and then pass on to everyone you work with, you know, that's 
that's amazing for those people that you work with. But how's how's it been on you maintaining that sort of strength on behalf of everyone? Um, I guess I don't really tell people or let on to many people that I have fears or that I'm scared. Um, um, I I think I'm always kind of, I'm really upbeat when I'm at work. I can just kind of switch into that mode um, where people probably wouldn't even know that I've not slept the night before or that I've been fretting about something. Um, I guess I just try and take that fear that everybody has, which it's normal, and just kind of use it to drive me um, and to motivate me to do better and to achieve more. And I think um, if you let fear take over, it can just destroy you. And so, you know, we all experience dark times and I've experienced dark times in the past where I have let it get the better of me. But um, as I said, I think you need to just change your mindset and and be positive and look at the silver lining, look for the silver lining in everything that you do. And, um, and that's, that's what I've done. And that's what I've, that's what I, when I walk through the door at work, that's what everybody sees, I think. Um, And generally, and it's what I believe too. I mean, I am, I do try to be really positive, but you know, it's normal to feel scared. Um, but you just have to, you know, you just you just have to keep going. I <laughs> think you just have to pick yourself up and get on with it. And um, you know, even during this pandemic, you know, everybody's talking about the world that's falling apart, and it's like, okay, you know, you have to just stop and say to yourself, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, what is the absolute worst thing and when you think about the worst thing that can happen you're like okay well it's not that bad and okay and uh, you know you you just you just need to keep going and look for look for the positives I think and that's that's what I try to do well something that does put a smile on people's face and is quite positive is gelato like why gelato how did that all start um gelato I think so I've I've been um always been surrounded by entrepreneurs and I've grown up in a really entrepreneurial family and so starting a business was not something strange or foreign um you know I've talked about my dad he's had many businesses and so has my mum and uh, my sisters as well and so for me it was just a natural thing to start my own business. Um, Why gelato? I guess uh, I'd worked with my sister for many, many years and um, and I think it was probably about five years ago, I just felt like it was time for me to do something of my own. I needed to prove to myself that I could do it. And, um, and I was looking for something that um, was unique, something that I could create. Um, I'd love creating I love design and I've always been in the design industry and so I knew that whatever I did um, design would have to be a part of it um, and then it was just about finding something that I could create so I didn't I um, 
studied graphic design and I didn't want to go back to that and I'd worked with my sister in her business. Um, she runs Hub Furniture. So I worked with her and I kind of obviously wasn't going to open something to compete with her. So I thought, well, what can I do? And, <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know, I just thought, you know what? I remember my dad making gelato at home at Christmas. And he used to make this phenomenal gelato that was all made from scratch and he would, you know, he'd spend weeks like preparing all the ingredients and roasting the nuts and making nut butters and all this kind of stuff and we'd have this amazing gelato at Christmas time that dad would make. And, wow. yeah, and and I remember him saying to me, you know, uh, I know how to make gelato and if things go really bad, I can open up a gelateria and, you know, and, and we'll all be fine. And he had like this, he had this, these recipes, these insane recipes. And, and, and the idea was, well, you know, he used to say gelato is recession proof, you know, if, if, cause he was in the building and construction and he was an architect. So he was in, in development and, and so he, you know, he used to say, well, you know, I've always got that up my sleeve if something terrible goes wrong. But, um, but he used to make it at home. And I remember just thinking, hang on a minute, maybe I can um, steal some of his recipes, which he wouldn't give the recipes to me. He actually <laughs> would not give them to me. I'm like, Dad, can I have those recipes? I had to actually really negotiate with him to get them. But anyway, I said to him, you know, I, I, <laughs> Real entrepreneurs. I, I'm not joking either. Like he, he would, he would, he didn't want to give them to me, but um, I got them in the end. But um, no, he, so yes, yeah, so I thought, oh, I, I can't, I can't think of any place that I can go to get gelato like what I have at home at Christmas. And I thought, you know what, maybe that's a good idea. I'm not a chef and I've never I've never worked in a restaurant. I've never even worked in a kitchen or in hospitality in any capacity. But, you know, this is something I can control. I can develop my, you know, set um, menu of flavours and and I'll do them really, really, really well. And um, I think I can open up a gelateria. And it was literally that's that's how it started and I went and I found a, a shop and I leased it and then I thought okay well I better figure out how to how to do this properly and so I went overseas and <laughs> and I um I I contacted someone before I left um who I, I found overseas who produced gelato the way that I I wanted to do it and went over there and spent a couple of weeks um in his gelateria figuring it all out and understanding it and then um ordered all the machinery before I came home and within six months of making the decision to do that, I'd opened up the, the first gelateria and it was a really, really crazy, crazy wild ride. I had, I was, yeah, pretty knee deep in it. I had no idea what I was getting, my, what I'd gotten myself into, but, you know, you just have to sink or swim. That was it. Well, what makes a great gelato? Um, oh, you know, I, I, our approach is to create something that just is traditional and it just stands the test of time. Like we put so much effort into, um, 
into the flavours. So, you know, if we're making pistachio, we will roast the nuts ourselves and grind them into a nut butter. And um, so it's got that real sort of homemade, home sort of that roasted, little bit salty flavour. Um, and for us, there's nowhere to hide in that flavour. Like, it, you, you know, it's not, it doesn't have any toppings or anything like that. It's just traditional Italian gelato. It's been there for 100 years. It'll be there for another 100 years. And um, and so that's what our, um, that's what all of our flavours are about. That's what we kind of think is great gelato, just really incredible ingredients um, and just, just, just made from scratch really just all, all all homemade so just it's exactly like what I grew up having and I've been able to kind of expand that out um in all the stores I haven't had to compromise on any of the recipes or any of the methods it's just basically exactly what we used to do at home but just way more of it now you may be like your father and not want to share your secrets, but what's the what are the secrets to the viscosity and getting that that gelato that dense sort of feel that you have mouthfeel? Uh, we've spent a lot of time. So of course, I started off using a lot of the recipes that um, Dad had, and that was the concept. But I think there's a real science in making gelato and. Um, making it on a really big scale you know there are things that you do at home that if you do in a gelateria on a big scale you can really see the mistakes like when you make something at home you kind of make a liter and you consume it like that day or the next day so you don't see any problems (laughs) Um, with a gelateria it's a little bit different and if you make a mistake and you're churning hundreds of liters of something it's you can really have some issues there but I think um it's about really really good ingredients and balancing the sugars and the fats and um but but it comes down to really good ingredients you know you you can tell you can tell if something is of a high quality it's like when you you eat really incredible chocolate and you're used to that, and then you go back to to something that's not so good. You can really tell the difference. You've also done some um, crazy and interesting things, like you had a gelato filled panettone once at Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's just a bit of fun to um, be able to keep doing things that are really creative and really different, um, and and all of these. Uh, sort of events that happen throughout the year are an opportunity to um, play a little bit and get creative. So that one was really successful. We had a lot of that was that was crazy. We I, I think we put things out there and um, and I, I'm always surprised, not surprised because the product's fantastic, but I think I'm just more humbled that people. Um, that we get such an incredible response to what we put out there and the product's really, really good. And so we've got a great following, really, really loyal customers. Um, but, yeah, I'm always I'm always like, oh, wow, okay, people are buying us, our, our products. This is really great. I just think it's 
it's it's really humbling, I think. Do you have a gelato experience that stands out for you? Oh gosh. Not 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 really one that stands out. I think just that idea of of coming up to the holidays and having and having dad just churning gelato at home is a memory that will stay with me for a long time. Like he would just, he was pedantic about how he did things. Like he would, he would get all the eggs and he would um, wash the egg before he cracked the egg. And he was really, you know, fastidious about making sure things were clean and sterilized. And he would just like do all these calculations around the gelato because he knew how to balance it all. And so he was always there like creating a new flavor and doing all these calculations. That was always really funny. Um, And yeah, we were never allowed to know the recipe. That was also pretty funny. Um, But yeah, I just remember him making just a mess, a mess of the kitchen till like two in the morning. And then just yeah, there would just be this huge cleanup that poor mum. Mum would often <laughs> do the cleanup, or we'd all help do the cleanup. But then just, just kind of like having these tubs of gelato that would just be consumed within literally half an hour. Like it would all just be gone, and it was so good. It was really good. Yeah, there might that's my gelato memory. There might that's probably the strongest memory that I have growing up and of course in the business I mean there have been lots of memories just you know especially when we opened the first store I mean I remember I was churning gelato so I was behind the machine and I was serving customers and I was just doing everything it was nuts it was really crazy but it was fun well lots changed since those early days has the last couple of months changed the operations of the business and and what you'll do moving forward. Um, oh, yeah, the last few months have definitely definitely changed. Changed. I mean, the operations have definitely changed. We've been. Um, I mean, I've always been really fastidious about cleaning and hygiene, but obviously we've stepped that up dramatically. Um, you know, everybody's in masks and wearing gloves and, you know, we're really careful about trying to maintain um, sort of as much, can I say, distance sort of from each other so that if, I guess that if, if, um, if there's an issue with one store, it's not going to impact the other stores. So I'm talking sort of from a being shut down perspective. So our teams in Hawthorne don't cross over with our team in Collingwood. And the, you know, the guys who, well, our team in St Kilda as well, and our guys who um, who deliver, deliver before the stores are open so that they're not having any contact with, um, with staff there. And um, the kitchen, when, when the first lockdown happened, we broke the team into team A and B um, and poor team A started at 4am and finished at 12 and then team B took over at 12 um, and kept going. So we kind of just, we changed the operations a lot 
from that perspective. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it will look like moving forward, but certainly I can't imagine it changing very quickly. I think this is here for a little while and um, we just have to adapt and and change as the situation evolves, I guess. We've spoken to a few operators that have opened restaurants during the pandemic and um, speaking to you the other day, you mentioned that you're also expanding during uh, the pandemic. Um, you've got another store opening soon, is that right? Yeah, we, we do. Um, and that was, I, I signed the lease for the new store before COVID was even kind of part of our vocabulary. It was back in, like, I think it was end of October. And um, I remember, you know, these things always take time and, you know, you're going to get the lease documentation and all that kind of stuff happening. And by the time the, uh, you know, COVID was was um, really on our doorstep here, I... You know, going back to that that idea of fear, I remember just going, "Oh my God! Like, what have I just done? I've just signed this in the middle of this period here with lockdown." I was like, "Oh my God! What am I going to do?" And I remember going and speaking to Dad, and again, he just said, "You, you know, you've got to just not." Um, worry about it too much like you need to obviously you need to worry about it but but you got to play the long game you've got to think about um about the fact that this is a moment in time and um you know it 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 will get a lot worse and 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 you know things will change but you know it's you know it will get better and um You've just got to be brave. You've just got to take take advantage of um, opportunities that might come up, um, and kind of um, and and take them and really just go for it. And so he gave me that confidence, I think, to to just take that leap. I mean, I'd already taken the leap. I'd already signed it, so there was not much I could do. I just, you know, you have to make it work. But um. But since then, I think a couple of other opportunities have come up, which, um, which if I hadn't had those conversations with Dad, I perhaps wouldn't have um, taken those opportunities up. But um, it gave me the confidence to go, okay, there are there are these other fantastic opportunities. I'm not going to be, um, I'm going to be cautious, but I'm not going to be scared and yeah, I'm going to play the long game and um, and just go for it. And and again, having that internal dialogue, that conversation with myself, what's the worst thing that could happen here? And um, and then just doing it, just giving it a go. There was something a little earlier that you said that um, was really interesting that you negotiated the recipes from your dad. Um if you're happy to share, can you describe the experience of finally getting the recipes from your dad? Um, uh, yeah, I he he told me in no uncertain terms that I was not to share these recipes with anybody; that they were very valuable. <laughs> 
They're very valuable and I'm very lucky to be getting them. And, you know, and so, yeah, it was pretty special. Um, he, did, he did this incredible rum and raisin and um, we, we put it out sometimes. Um, it's not on the main menu, but he did this insane rum and raisin. And I remember him saying, look, some people put this much rum. I you need to put more than that. We put this much rum and, you know, and that's what makes it good. And it was just, it was really special. It was special to, um, yeah, it was special to get the recipes. And I think once I finally got them, like it was such a battle to get them. But then once you finally get them, you're like, oh, oh, that's a bit of a, I kind of enjoyed the the battle to get them. (laughs) Now that I've got them, it's like, oh, now I've got them. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, anyway, no, it was, it's, um, yeah, it, it was good. It's a special thing to, look, Dad had heaps of things that were, you know, closely guarded and they were his, you know, special things and and I guess the recipes were one of them. But um, he he just wanted, wanted all of us to be successful and um, whatever he could do to help us, he did do. So, yeah. You mentioned that his rum and raisin wasn't on the main menu, but looking at the main menu that you have, you know, and you've got different gelato flavours, what do you think has been the gelato comfort food flavour of the pandemic? Oh, uh, I think um, uh, all the creamy flavours are always really popular. Um, People love pistachio and chocolate and all those sorts of really rich flavors but you know surprisingly we launched a whole range of bake at home um bake at home goods which was kind of that kind of came out of um I was walking down the the aisle in the supermarket and I remember going oh my gosh there's no toilet paper but there's also no um cake mix or pancake mix or all the cookie doughs are gone and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, maybe I can um, create something um, that we make, a pickle in a sort of cake mix or something like that that our customers can buy from us and um, they can buy it with a, a litre of gelato and um, and just bake it at home and that's really taken off. And, wow. yeah, that's been incredible. I, I, I can't believe it. It's just. It's just they fly out the door, these um, packets of mix that we've made and and they go beautifully with vanilla. So vanilla was never a really, really popular flavour, but we just keep selling out of vanilla now. So that's been good. That's been interesting. Well, I'm shocked by that. People are always shocked when I say my favourite flavour is vanilla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds a bit beige, but when you have an incredible vanilla gelato... Absolutely. But I'm actually quite interested. Someone who's a professional and makes it and sells it for a living, what, what, what is your favourite? My favourite? Oh, gosh, I get asked this a lot and it changes all the time. Um, but at the moment I love, um, it's a flavour called Better Than Nutella. It's our version of Nutella. It doesn't have Nutella <laughs> in it. It's, it's our version and that's why it's, it's called Better Than Nutella because it's all natural and um and uh, yeah, made from scratch. So it's uh, that's that's a go-to. I love that. Um, and I love, I really love the coffee. The coffee is really good. But it's funny. I remember a customer saying to me once, 
oh, just just make me a gelato, anything you want, you choose. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I put together a, a cup for him and he's like, oh, I hate those flavors. I don't want those. I'm like, you told me to put together a cup of whatever I thought. I was like, okay, well, we'll just throw that out. What do you want? That was funny, but yeah. Well, Sandra, you're an amazing success story and an inspiration. We've been um, blessed to have you on the Deep in the Weeds today and sharing your story. Uh, keep in touch and, um, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.